Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Larry Gazzardo with me. Larry's the co-founder of All Star Dental Academy, and I've had the pleasure of seeing him speak multiple times. And Larry, you constantly am inspired by how well you speak. And in fact, it was you and Eric Vickery that had Eric and I down there a day early for the Speak Like an All Star training. I love the voices. I love the interaction with the audience. And I would love to know what brought you to, to there. And I know that 10 years ago, you've co-founded All Star. Tell me your origin story. I love a good story. You know, a lot of people ask me that, that story because they're always curious um, uh, because I don't have a dental background. You know, how is mm -hmm. it that you ended up in, in dentistry? Because uh, it's, such a, it's a, such a great profession. I used to uh, be a trainer for a large corporation. And um, I studied management in college. And I, I did training for this large corporation, very, very big. At the time, they were doing about $2 billion, you know, wow. in, in, even in those days. So it was a really, really big data processing company. I trained our client service reps and I trained our installation technicians who went out and installed software uh, in the mm -hmm. client's office. But from being in a training and development environment, I met these trainers, these consultants who work with dental practices. Now, I work for a corporation that my division alone had 2,200 employees. So wow, you can yeah. imagine when I met these dental consultants, I'm like, so who are you training? Like five people? You know, I, <laughs> what, what are you doing over there? And I listened to their story and I realized they're accomplishing with five people what we were having an enormous amount of difficulty getting done with 2,200, you know, because the mm -hmm, gears mm -hmm. just wind very, very slowly. In a, in a big organization. So to make a long story short, um, they, they got me to come and work for them. And so I left my big cushy corporate job and I went to go work for a dental consulting company. It was the best decision that I ever made. Um, I really enjoyed it. Dennis and I got along because uh, I understood business and I was learning a lot about dentistry. I thought it was very fascinating and all that. I really, really enjoyed it. And just to, you know, for time's sake, that the company dissolved, you know? Mm -hmm. So here I was with them about two or three years at the time. And all of a sudden I was pretty much out of a job and I enjoyed what I was doing, but I was concerned because I'm, I'm not a dentist. I wasn't a hygienist at the time. I wasn't a, a dental assistant. I didn't have that background. How could I continue this? So I just, I did it the old fashioned way. Um, I bought my way in. Um, I paid the company to use uh, their material. And so I, went off on my own. And, and, and that was in 1994. So I spent literally my whole career in dentistry. Many times I feel like I could be a dentist. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know if you can get that lateral pterygoid to calm down, uh, your life's a lot easier. <laughs> uh, but I really like dentistry. I like what we can accomplish in dentistry. Um, I like the teams that are in dentistry and, and I like dentists. So we all get along real well. It's just, it's been a great, fabulous career. And because of my involvement in dentistry, I was asked to speak at the Florida Dental Convention. That was just 10 years ago. And at that time, Alex and Heather Nottingham were attending uh, one of my lectures. And when it was through, they asked if I would want to be interviewed for what they called their expert webinars at that time. Today, we'd call them a podcast. And, mm -hmm. and I looked at their website and I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. I don't really know what the two of you do, but I liked what I saw. And I, and I said, I'll do your expert webinar, but then I really want to talk to you about 
uh, doing business together. And that's how we, I'll just say, we birthed All Star. Uh, it probably took us about two years after that. And then we launched like about eight years ago uh, this month. So that's that, so that, amazing. I'll start. It was, it's like an American love story, you know? That's so great. When you branched off, who was your first client? My very, very first client was um, a gentleman in Pennsylvania, a really, really mm -hmm. small town where um, lots of Amish people live. So okay. it was a new experience for me because I hadn't met individuals before who didn't drive cars or have alarm clocks. And, and for us in dentistry, they didn't have bank accounts, you know, so they didn't write checks you know, and things like that. So it was a real test of communication uh, and things like that. But that, that was my, my very, very first client. I know that where we're going is impactful. And I know that our mission statements and all those things, but I love to hear a good story about how someone got started. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Now, from 94 to 10 years ago to today, what are you seeing as the trends in the industry? Like, you know, and what's next, if you will? What's read the read the tea leaves by Larry Gazzardo. Yeah, if, if I look at what's going on now, what I've always liked about dentistry is there's always something going on. Mm -hmm. And 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 I know the media likes to hype things up and make things sound one way or the other. But I'll say it's all good. All of it is good. Uh, and, and it's good for dentists. It's good for the public. Um, it's good for you and I. Uh, it's all great things. But I'll, I'll say one of the big things that I think would be interesting you know, for your listeners, is I think that if, if the next phase of, of patient engagement is going to be uh, digitizing everything. Dentistry's mm -hmm. um, always been a little bit slow to move in that direction. But after the pandemic, when people became used to um, clicking to pay their bill, clicking to uh, contact the office, you know, using something like this to communicate with one another, um, now, they don't want to fill out forms by hand and they don't want to download forms and, and things like that. So I would say your payment systems, your contact systems, um, um, any paperwork that needs to be done, let's throw away the clipboards. Let, let's get it all digitized. Let's get it all automated. Don't mm -hmm. make people have to write their name more than one time on one piece of paper. Once they do it, it should go where it needs to go. And, and now we, we have that technology. Before we didn't have the public who was willing to embrace the technology. But now what I notice is the public is like, you don't have this, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, it's kind of like when you didn't, you were slow to get a website. Um, people, people used to be like, what do you mean you don't have a website? Now they're like, of course, I expect that you have a website. But what they expect now is why don't you have all the forms on your website? Why can't I just fill them out on yep. your website? You know, and so so I think the next level of patient experience really is going to be that that part of it. You know, if I'm doing my medical history update, if I'm upgrade updating the pharmaceuticals that, you know, the, the drugs that I'm taking uh, prescriptions, you know, I should be able to do all that online uh, directly. So I think digitizing is going to be really, really important. I yep. think another trend that's going on that we hear a lot about, whether it's good or not, I don't know. Uh, but there is a lot with private equity getting into dentistry. Um, you know, I look at it as, you know, private equity has flipped every other business in the country. You know, they turn all the veterinary offices, all the medical offices, optometrists, all the, 
all the real estate firms, drugstores, flower shops, funeral homes, they're all owned by large corporations now, you know? And so now they're just taking their turn in dentistry. And so they're flipping dental practices. And mm-hmm. so they're offering a lot of people a lot of money. I don't, I don't know if it's a good thing for dentistry or not. I can't say personally, it's been a good thing for hospitals and for healthcare. Uh, I can't say that it's better because of their involvement, uh, but I know it's not gonna go away. The reason why I'm bringing it right. up is because I don't think we have to be afraid of it. I don't, I don't feel like we have Agreed. to give into it if we don't want to, but we don't need to be afraid of it. And the reason why we don't need to be afraid of it is because there are things that we could take advantage of today like they have. You know, part of that is we could get into buying cooperatives, you know what I mean, so that we can get some of the discounts that they get for equipment and supplies. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do that today. Years ago, it was, this was something difficult, but it's, it's not that hard anymore. And so, you know, if we can get into more buying co-ops and things like that, we'll have some of the advantages. Um, those co-ops could also offer you advantages in dealing with third-party payers like insurance companies. You know, uh, that's another trend that I see going on. Uh, we, we have a lot of issues with expenses today. We yep. have a lot of issues with low reimbursements um, and maximums that are not increasing. Maybe they'll increase a code here and there, but we're not seeing maximums go up and haven't gone up in, in years. I've talked to clients before. I said, you know, when they set the maximums in dentistry of $1,000, which is about which most people have, they have about $1,000 worth mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. dentistry that they can get every year. Um, that that number was set back in the 70s. I mean, right. 50 years ago. And so if we would index that for inflation, that same $1,000 would be worth about $7,800 today. And if you think about it, 50 years ago, if you need a lot of dentistry, you know, over two, three, four years, if you had $1,000 a year, you, you could get it all done. Right. You know, well, same thing today, if it had been indexed for um, inflation, you know, and you had about $7,000 to spend over two, three, four years, you could get all your dentistry. Today, you cannot, mm-hmm. you can almost get no right. dentistry okay. done for the amount of reimbursement. So, so the yeah. problem is, is we have rising expenses. There's no debate about it. Um, there's been many times in my career where we debated whether things were as expensive as they were. Today, we know it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Staffing is expensive, benefits are expensive, supplies, technology, it's all very, very uh, continuing. Getting through school is expensive. Yep, it's all very, very expensive. Yet, has that maximum budged? No. Not a bit. It hasn't, not not really. The needle has Mm -hmm. barely, barely moved, you know? And so because of it, now you do have to consider your third party payer participation. I'm not saying that you have to get out of insurance totally, but you definitely need to consider whether you can afford it or not, because there's definitely some plans out there that I see that don't pay that much. And matter of fact, they reimburse less than your cost to delivering yeah. the service, you know? And so that's a big, big challenge today. And I think every dentist, every dentist has to address it. Uh, they have mm-hmm. to look at it. They have to understand Agreed their operating expenses and whether they could really, really afford to participate with uh, insurance or not. Um, uh, another another issue that I think a trend that we're seeing in dentistry, and this is a, a really good one, 
is our population is getting older. Uh, and because of it, they care about keeping their teeth. Uh, mm-hmm. but they also care about their whole body. They, they want to get older, but they want to be healthier in their old age. Not like our grandparents who accepted that they were old and they couldn't move around and they accepted mm-hmm. that they would just stay in the house and not drive or go anywhere. We're getting older, we're retiring younger, and we're living longer, but we expect to be healthier in our old age. And so any office yeah. that has a slant toward wellness in their practice is going to have an advantage with patients. I agree. You, As you're talking, it, I read a statistic the other day that the you know, the fastest growing uh, population that is having divorces is uh, in their 60s. Really? And yes, <laughs> it is the fastest growing population of divorcees right. because you are retiring mm-hmm. and you're looking around and where it used to be, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of getting ready to die. You know, now you're like, I've got 15, 20 more good years. I don't want to be spending it with this person. Not You've been this- grinding me down for 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 five decades. Yeah. So they're kicking them to the curb. So they're getting divorced in their sixties and it's such a wild number, but you're right. Like we are seeing more and more people absolutely invest heavily in their dental in their sixties and seventies and eighties that more than ever. It's a wild to think about that, that we've opened up that population. I have a hot topic in my world. And I want to go back to the first trend you talked about, about digitizing all the things. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about online scheduling. Okay. I know why it's not done because everyone thinks their schedule is this very unique unicorn that no one can schedule like I schedule. And I, I, I'm only going to do these things at this time. And I know that online scheduling can, can mess that up. Right. But the population of the United States wants to schedule online. And dentistry has lagged behind restaurants. We've lagged behind my optometrist appointment. We've lagged behind dang near everybody. Why do you think online scheduling hasn't caught on quicker? Well, part of it, I think, is because going to a dental office is a unique experience. It it is. Um, Number two, I think it's because people need very specific things, but maybe they don't think they need it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like you've been diagnosed with periodontal disease. And so you require periodontal maintenance therapy, but you don't schedule yourself for that. Um, Right. You schedule cleaning. Yeah. And so, so they just want to schedule themselves for whatever they can. And then they show up at the office and we realize you scheduled, you know, for the wrong thing. Mm -hmm, Um, But, mm -hmm. but, if I, if I look at the airlines who are really, really good at what you're talking about, they know we have so many seats in this fair class. We have so many seats up front. We have so many in the back. They, they have done a really good job of designating where Larry can schedule mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I buy my ticket. And, and I think when the online schedulers for dentistry, when they become that sophisticated as well, Whereas the way I see it happening, you know, Eric, is it'll probably start with hygiene first because mm-hmm. there we can designate you're a, a, a profi patient, a typical recall patient, or maybe you're a perio maintenance patient. And so that way we can designate when you call to schedule or when you get online. Right. 
we can probably use the last time you came in and the yes. some, some you know three four or five data points right. to right. determine yeah the, the other issue is is that I, I do see dental practices as very unique places and the services that they provide are very very unique as well and so when it comes to a new patient um, you know what we haven't done with the automatic scheduling is is we haven't created an experience for that patient um, I think a lot of dentists would be afraid to say, maybe I'm not the right dentist for you, but you just schedule an appointment in my office. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now we find out I'm not what you're looking for because we all practice, all dentists practice different. Right, right. And so, you know what I mean? And I think it still requires that phone call initially so that we can talk to the patient, so that we can discuss with them about who we are, the way we do it, and find out if that's appropriate for the patient. But I, I do see it, if I'm answering your question, I see it as something coming down the pike. We're going to be better at guiding patients into the appointment that they need. Yeah, and I don't think that online scheduling has to take away the new patient experience and the new patient phone call and, you know, getting the forms and having a conversation about which, hey, I, hey Larry, I saw you schedule an appointment for this. Tell me when last time you've been at the dentist is, you know, how, how would you rate your overall health currently and what are you looking for? And I love that conversation before someone comes into the practice. Right. I, I feel like that's where AI is going to come in mm -hmm. a lot. Mm. Now AI will be able to read those forms and it'll know what questions to ask next and how to start communicating yeah. with that person. Right now, I feel like we just haven't gotten to that level yet. And mm -hmm. that's why dentists are very, very slow to adopt to letting it take over their schedule. Because I think you can say this type of procedure gets scheduled at that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you can't say that Larry needs it or doesn't need it without a conversation because Larry's self-diagnosing at that point. Right, right. And right. I do feel yeah. like there's a lot of individuality in a lot of mm -hmm. office, a lot of uniqueness. And so for many dentists, they want the patient to pick for themselves, am I the right person for you? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to say good or bad, but there's some dentists who are very, very detail-oriented you know, maybe take as long as an hour just to examine you. Whereas there's other dentists who might only uh, examine you, they might do an initial examination as a part of a, an initial uh, hygiene visit. Two, two yeah. completely different kinds of appointments. Uh, uh, patients are attracted to different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We say when we are marketing a practice, I am not marketing procedures. I'm not marketing prepless veneers. I'm not marketing implants. I'm not marketing crowns. I am marketing the dentist is the product and the connection that they make with patients is what I'm marketing. Yes. And you're going to connect with someone different. You know, statistically now, we want a dentist within 10 years our own age. And I think that's because as someone who's 48, I think I'm close to my prime. I, I I want someone who's been around long enough to have had experiences, but still have relevant education. I, I, in very candor, I do not know that I would go to a 75 year old dentist. Um, I might go to someone 30, 32. Yeah. If, if I thought they were exceptional. Yeah. Depending on how I want to go to someone. Uh, I want to go to someone who is around my age because I, this is where I'm at in my career. And, you know, Kristen, who you talked to, you know, on the pre-show, she has a very young dentist and she thinks they're amazing because they focus on the technology and they, they do have some of the features and amenities that she likes, which I, I want someone who 
has done this, you know, 10,000 times. Yes, yes. So that's where some of the things that you do is so important because we would need what you do to convey to the patient that they're selecting the right dentist for them. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. now, without it, the only way we know how to do it is by talking to the patient. Right. But, but you can and see now. Typically it's in the office. Digitizing so. things. Yes, you could use mm -hmm. your website to attract the right kinds of patients to you that are appropriate for you because they could see you have the yeah. technology. Uh, they see that you have the education. Uh, they look at your staff. Mm -hmm. And so they could use something like that to help patients schedule their home appointment. But they would need to have that in place. Yeah, yeah. To agreed. make that happen. Otherwise, the problem is, is we're not going to find out that this was not appropriate for you until you're sitting in the dentist chair. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. that that it would be enormously a, a, a big, expensive mistake uh, to have that happen, maybe more than once or, or maybe twice a month. Yeah. Now, Larry, I got one final question for you. When you've been around 1994, uh, amazing career. It, it's such a pleasure to watch you speak. What do you see as the biggest problem your offices are facing today when it comes to the patient experience? The biggest issue that's coming up when it comes to the patient experience is unfortunately the training of the staff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I'm not talking about the skills as being a hygienist or the skills of being a dental assistant or somebody who knows how to post checks or whatever. I'm talking about those uh, relationship skills that the staff has. Like, mm -hmm. do they know how to um, handle, uh, I'll just say, sticky conversations with patients? You know what I mean? Not necessarily objections, but sticky conversations because patients are more savvy today. So they'll come in mm -hmm. and they'll challenge you, you know, am I safe in this office? You know, do you sterilize things correctly? You know, do you warranty your work? You, we, we better know how to answer those questions for people. So, so I'll say one of the biggest challenges is the, the old fashioned, you know, communication. But it's not that we don't know how to talk. We just don't know how to explain things in a way that helps the patient feel more comfortable choosing us. I totally agree. I think it's the soft skills. And I think there's a couple of converging factors at play. I think number one with the staff shortages, I find today dentists are almost scared to hold their staff accountable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the coming in the other direction, you have patients are more educated and, and I have to use educated carefully <laughs> because I think they're asking very, I think they're very misguided sometimes, but yeah. they are asking more questions in education. And I think that you have dentistry experts who are, as they get busy, they default to answering a question that they think they understand the context of. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, I think the insurance question is an incredibly complex question that you need to get behind before you say, uh, yes, we take that insurance or no, we don't. I, you know, I, if I need uh, $7,000 in dentistry, I promise you, you do not care about my thousand dollar. We, the office will find a way to work around the thousand dollar insurance maximum. I agree. I think it's the education around the soft skills of patient engagement. Yeah, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And we have a lot of issues today with employees because they never learned a lot of these things when they were children because maybe parenting, maybe the, their education, 
Um, these are things that we get directly from them that they tell us now. Mm-hmm. That I wish we would have got this when I was in the fourth grade. Um, but we're struggling with it now because real leadership today is teaching them those skills that they didn't get all those years that patients are expecting that you have. Because uh, agreed. dentistry is going to cost $7,000. You're going to have to feel really good about spending that money. In yeah, this. agreed. And that's, your, and that's how you communicate. Larry, thank you so much for your time and uh, enlightening as always. Larry Gazzardo, co-founder yeah. of All Star Dental Academy. That was your body dental marketing. Thank you so much. It's, it's really been a pleasure, Eric. And anytime you want to uh, talk, I'd be happy to come back on.